Hello, everybody. This is Forrest with Drive-In Movies. I'm here with Mark. Say hello. Hello. And Yashua. Say hello. It's pronounced Josh. I, th- I thought it was a silent. The J's not so, silent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not like in yogging. <laughs> it's a soft J. It's a soft J. Howdy. It's the pancake breakfast. So, if you had a favorite movie where Dracula holds up an eight-year-old girl and says, give me the amulet, you little bitch, what would it be? Hmm, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with... I don't I can't think of nothing clever. Uh, Monster Squad. Duh. <laughs> Duh, indeed. I was looking for something witty, but I don't I don't have that. It's not like we talk for a living. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what draws you to this movie? Uh, as with a lot of things for me, it's nostalgia. That movie... I don't know if it was HBO... But some channel on television, every other movie, was Monster Squad. Well, from all the talks we've had, it sounds like the only two channels you ever had growing up was HBO and USA. So I'm going to assume one of those two. I had more than that, but that's usually what I watch the most, yeah. <laughs> it, it's not well known. I mean, it's not something that I had... Well, I was five when it came out. I mean, but it's not something that everybody has probably seen. But... It definitely has like a uh, cult following, as you will. I was going to say, it's got a cult status. Yeah. I've, it's because of the Goonies. If the Goonies hadn't come out, I guarantee this movie would have been more popular. Well, the Goonies came out two years before this. Yeah, and I still say this is better. Fight me on that. I'm, I can't argue. I mean, I really do think this movie is better than the Goonies. I don't really like the Goonies that much. Ugh. For me, I, I'd put them on an even keel, just because I like both of them. Mm-hmm. They're both great movies. I mean... There's no arguing about that. Yeah, I don't but, dislike Goonies. I just this is much better in my opinion. They're they're each kind of niche in their own way. Uh huh. I mean, one's got a bunch of monsters in it, and the other one's a dead Pirates. pirate. <laughs> right? They're, they're not even alive. But Goonies holds a lot of charm to it too, because oh, of course. There, there's a lot of dynamics between the kids, and you know, even the older kids that they have to tangle with and stuff like mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of dynamics where this is. There's no real. Di- there's no like. The older generation versus the young, younger generation in this movie, per se. The, these are just kids trying to tackle, you know, Hollywood monsters, the universal mean, monsters at that. You could say there's a bit of that uh, uh, old versus new, considering these are like monsters that are famous, but by that point had been considered probably a little cheesy. Yeah, there'd be definitely cheese fact. Cliche yeah, would right, be the sure. word I would use. But you could also you could also put your own twist on that, and mm-hmm. instead it's say iconic. I'd say iconic. I mean, because yeah. they, they they were all black and white films. Mm-hmm. Every one of those monsters, you know the what was that called back in the day? Universal Universal yeah, monster I mean, movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There, there was no moniker for it. It was just that. Right. Were were they shared universes? Yes. Back then, they uh, were? Uh, well, not at first, but it's like, hey, we own all these monsters. They all make money. Let's throw them in a movie and make more money. So the first one they did Let- that with was like House of Frankenstein and then Let's House have of Dracula. Abbott and Costello. I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> that's the best goddamn Universal movie. 10 out of 10. That movie's held in very high regard by many, many people. Yes. We we bust that out like weekly. I love that movie. That's cool. I See, I've never seen it. I shall educate you. Then I want to be educated. But you've good. You you've got you know the Universal monsters are universal as far as they are recognizable. Like Frankenstein has its look because of the Universal monsters. Mm-hmm. Dracula, Wolfman, uh, even uh, 
the creature from the Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon monster. Yeah. yeah. Like he they all have that iconic look that we still like when you think of that monster, you think of that. And you also can see all that in this in Monster Squad. They definitely, you know, they play that up. Mm-hmm. Even though they're they're not technically, you know, holding the license to use all those characters, you can definitely see that that's it's all in that name of vein. Right. Frankenstein is I think we discussed this earlier, but Frankenstein's look is altered, mm-hmm. so he doesn't necessarily infringe upon Universal's monster yeah, image. It, it's because in Universal had to make up their own monster, because in the book, he's very vague. He has long hair, pale skin, and yellow eyes. That's right. all you get out of him. So in the movie, they're like, okay, well, he was stitched together. That's creepy. Let's do that. Right. Well, okay. I mean, it worked. He looks great. I think it is a great design. It, it's an excellent design. Dude, Boris Karloff, the first time you see him, is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what holds your captivation is just, I mean, for back then, for you know, for a black and white film and stuff like that, it definitely, you know, you you see him. In fact, you don't even know he's green back then, and, and mm-hmm. except for, you know, mock-ups and posters yeah, and stuff pu- like publicity that. publicity stuff, yeah. Yeah, and, and if it wasn't for that, you would just think, well, he's just skin tone, normal. Right, you mm-hmm. would probably pale. Yeah. Right. He would give off a real pale image. And, you know, even, even, uh... Frankenstein from this, he's not really a. Is he? He's what color would you call him? And like puce. A, he's puce. Yeah, yeah. I could go with that. It's a color. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I I like the way Frankenstein looked in this. I thought he had a unique look to him as far mm-hmm. as a as Frankenstein goes. I mean, they mm-hmm. uh, they move the neck bolts up from the neck to the temples. I'm gonna be honest. I'm a huge Frankenstein fan, and I didn't even notice that until I was told that earlier today. Right, I feel a little pathetic now. Well, he shows up on screen as Frankenstein's monster, as Tom Noonan, and you don't question it. Mm -hmm. You're oh, it's Frankenstein. Yeah, you you don't. You don't even. I know there's people out there in the world that do that. As soon as they see anything, they analyze it from from head to toe, Mm -hmm. and they want to mark the differences. But the average viewer just sitting down, like someone's like, "Hey, check this movie out that I used to love as a kid," and you sit down, you watch it, and you go, "Oh, Frankenstein, done." Quick question for you. Who'd win in a fight between Godzilla and Van Helsing? Hmm. Godzilla. That's it. That was an easy one, wasn't it? Well, it was. I just remember, no, from the movie. She's like, uh, I got you this diary. No way. The diary of Abraham Van Helsing. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that fought Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, which one's the big one? <laughs> Typical mom. Typical yeah. mom. has. She, she's interested enough because she loves her son, <laughs> but not interested enough to mark the knowledge down in her brain to yes. not store it. Love it. Whatever. So, um, as movies go, uh, it was released August 14th of 1987. Nerd. Yep. By TriStar Pictures. That's... Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's... They're yep. Sony-owned now, so... Right, okay. They're Sony Pictures now. Um, now, gotcha. I don't know if you knew this. You may have. But it came out a week after He-Man and Masters of the Universe... The one with Dolph Lundgren. No wonder this movie is a cult classic because if they had the masterpiece, that was He-Man before it. <laughs> um, and then in July of that month, The Lost Boys came out. So a month I earlier. I did know that, yes. And then in June, Predator came out. Nice. Okay. I, I know Stan Winston worked on both of them. Right. Now I'm going to drop some more knowledge on you real quick. Uh, on March 6th, Lethal Weapon came out. So, the beginning of that year... Wow. <laughs> so, Shane Black, who was in Predator... Mm-hmm. And he, helped write it, didn't he? 
I don't. Did he help write the first Predator? I believe uh, he did. I'll, I know I'll do he's some fact in checking it. while you guys look. That's that fine. Up. I know he's in it. So he's in mm-hmm. Predator. He plays the soldier with glasses. Yes. Who okay. Tells, who tells the hilarious joke? Now he wrote Lethal Weapon. Did I say that already? No, but he did. Yeah. He did write it. I don't know if he had part in the Lost Boys or He Man, but oh yeah, he was Skeletor. Did you know? He also co-wrote Monster Squad. So that's three mm-hmm. movies that he had his hands in the same summer. Now he's doing the same thing nowadays with Iron Man 3 and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, he did Predators. A, a Predator movie in 1980. Predator 2. Or, uh, bleh, 2018. <laughs> it was okay. It was, I mean... I never saw it because it was a superhero movie with Predators in it. It, I, it was neat. I, I also like to note, you know, you mentioned him writing Lethal Weapon, but the mom... That's in Monster Squad was also right. the shrink in, Le- in the Lethal Weapon series. She was also the mom in the Goonies. Yes, yes, that was what well, I was going to yeah, get to. Yeah, that's cool. So, y- you you see a lot of continuity. I mean, you realize like all these people work together and acted together and stuff like that, and it's just a lot easier hiring someone that you were familiar with than mm-hmm. it would be to go out and and go get somebody was new. A really good year for like three people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's actually there's actually a scene near the end of the movie where they're at the main kid's house. Yeah, and in the background there's a blurry house. That was the house used in Lethal Weapon. That's Murtaugh's That's house. That's right. Yeah, it uh, just to show you how close the little community is and how when the scouts go out to scout locations, mm-hmm. they're like, "Well, that was in Lethal Weapon, and that movie was a hit." So let's just <laughs> let's just use them down the street. Also you know. worth noting, it says that Black was. Uh, Shane Black also co-wrote uh, Predator, The Predator, the 2018 movie with Fred Decker. Awesome. Nice. The director of this movie. So, Monster Squad came out. It only ran two weeks, and they pulled it. Really? Because of a dismal launch. The director, Fred Decker, uh, he believes it was a marketing thing. They didn't know how, They didn't know how to market the movie. They didn't know if they were trying to go. He did. They didn't know how to go, how to sell it. Well, it's because this is a very mature movie for kids. Like, there's some very adult stuff happening in but it. But a lot of those movies back then were like that because mm-hmm. they didn't pull their punches. Not everyone, not everyone wants to wear soft gloves when they talk yeah. to their kids back then. It was, you know, nowadays we're like, well, bullies. You need to talk to the bully and find out why he's upset. Back then, it was like, I'm gonna get my older brother and beat that bully up. What a cliche conflict <laughs> resolution, Kevin. Whatever the South Park joke is. <laughs> anyway, um, so Fred Decker, he also wrote and directed Night of the Creeps, one really? of my favorite movies as well. It just, I'm an 80s kid. Mm-hmm. I grew up seeing all these. Who knew they were all made by like five people? Well, right. once I started looking into this, I was like, holy shit. Um... <laughs> Exactly, though. I had yeah. no idea. This movie killed Fred Decker's career. Well, Man. It, it had a $12 million budget. Okay. And it only made $3 million in the box office. Jesus. 3.8. Yeah, it wasn't... It doesn't look like it made made anything back. If, you, if you're only pulling 25% of your... What it costs to make your movie, you... Yeah, that's... But no one had any idea the cult status that it would achieve people are fickle plus the name monster squads probably not that great of a name you probably could have called this something else and all the kids t- 
top notch acting. Yeah. Top notch. Even All Fred these Savage, kids. who's normally just playing Fred Savage. Fred Savage is not in the fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have people going at scratch listening to this, scratching their heads like Fred Savage. Fred um, Savage. I don't remember him in this. Yeah, is this the one where they go under the beds? <laughs> is this um, the Princess Bride? Another movie that Fred Decker directed. <laughs> Get this. Robocop three. So wow. <laughs> so he, he makes this movie. He does Night of the Creeps. They love it. It makes money. Everyone's happy. So he gets the $12 million. He does Monster Squad. And they're like, you're fired and we're going to bury you under a rock. Monster Squad killed this man's career? Yes, Monster Squad killed his career. And Hold he went on. back with RoboCop. Exactly. That's That was my point. So Man. S- someone finally was like, you know what, Fred? I really like your work. Here's some money. I want you to do RoboCop 3. And then he he makes that. Jetpack. Give him a jetpack. <laughs> he makes that dumpster fire of a movie. That movie makes Action Jackson look good. <laughs> and then that killed his career again. Now I didn't I didn't spend much time looking into him afterwards, but as like you Jesus. said, he co wrote that other movie with with Shane Black, so Yeah, the the Predator. Yeah. And they've been good friends. When they co wrote Monster Squad Excuse me. They were never in a room together. One guy would work on the script and then send it to the other guy. And it went back and forth. The only joke that they co-wrote together was one right before they go into the mansion to get the amulet. Okay. And um, the kid named Horace says, (laughs) he says a joke like, uh, I'm going to butcher it. He's like, why don't we be math squad instead? Stay home, do math (laughs) problems. How about we be nature squad? We'll collect rocks and look at birds and not be dead. <laughs> that was the only joke that they wrote together. And they oh, were I like, ah, print it. <laughs> Do it. Says uh, Michael Bay and Platinum Dunes had officially signed to produce the film. Uh, which it was going to direct Mark and Brian Gunn to writing the screenplay. But it got canceled in 2014. And since the fans were not very uh, receptive to them doing it, I guess. Well, yeah, after they butchered Nightmare on Elm Street, and they did okay with Texas Chainsaw, and not Texas that. Chainsaw was actually really good. I didn't mind it as much as a lot of people I thought do. It was all right, people yeah. hate that movie, but I kind of enjoy it. the The Friday the Thirteenth, uh, that movie's unwatchable outside of Jason murdering people. The Jason is spot on. Everything else is garbage in that movie. I I like. I can't I can't say that I hate all the Michael Bay remakes. I did kind of like it. It gave Freddy a little bit more depth, more demonic more, dimension to him. A little more Jack Haley going on. Yeah, and <laughs> well, we'll never see Jack Haley do it again because his contract sign that he had signed ran out. Shit. Uh, I think it ran out last year. Oh wow! So yeah, and they're talking about Robert England coming back for one more. Okay. They were. He was saying, "I'll do another one. I've got one more in me." But I think right now, because I just read that the, he they got the licensing back. Wes Craven got the Nightmare on Elm Street license back, like before he died. His estate, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's right. You you sent us that, yeah. Yeah, his estate got it back. So they were saying that you know, Robert England was saying, "I may have one more in me here to do this," but they've got a feeling if they're going to, they're going to want somebody to run the. Mm-hmm. run the gambit again if you will uh speaking of horror stars uh i don't know if you guys know him but sid haig you guys know him yeah i know the name he just died um devil's rejects house of a thousand corpses okay he played the clown mm-hmm. yeah the tall guy yeah dude was like 
80 years old and he just died. Really? Yeah. I never thought he just was that old. Day. Yeah. Well, he doesn't look at it. He acts pretty spry. When you think about it, House of Thousand Corpses was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah it And I, I knew at that time, so now that I'm sitting doing the math in my head, I'm like, yeah, all right, he's about 80. <laughs> all right, yeah, because he was 60 when he did that, mm-hmm. give or take. I think he did a couple Roger Corman movies. Those are the only ones I know him from. Roger right. Corman. Uh, Galaxy of Terror, I think he was in that, and that movie's <laughs> hilarious. It is so bad. But um, what a movie like this, how do you think it gets its cult following? I mean, you know, I mean, you, you said you watched it on HBO a billion and one times over, you know, it being released on cable, but, you know, VHS and stuff like that, back then, that's all we had. Well, VHS is what saved it. Yeah, that, that's what gave it its cult following was VHS. Did but, the same with like RoboCop two and stuff, right? So. In agreement with you, though, it just I had seen it so many times, and also being young, I was that age group that right. the kids were. So of course, mm-hmm. it's like you can easily juxtapose yourself in their positions and go, "I'm those kids," you know. And then yep. of course you have a kid come up and kick Wolfman in the in the balls. He doesn't have nards. Uh yes he does. Damn it, he, you ruined the bit. He got <laughs> he got <laughs> Wolfman does have nards. Wolfman's got nards. Also, when I, the first time I saw it, I thought it was stupid that spoiler alert, they blow up the Wolfman by sticking dynamite down his pants and throwing him out a window and then he pulls himself back together. The effect looks a little goofy, but the idea is kind of terrifying. Well, I thought it was pretty cool when he exploded mm-hmm. and pulls him I mean just I thought it was great. No, no, no. Nowadays I love it. So it's oh, you're talking about back then. Yeah, I got you. I saw it when I was like 14 or something. So the plot consists of what? There's is there five or six kids? How many kids is there? Do you remember? Five. Is there five kids? How many does Fred Savage count as? <laughs> he, he's the Phantom. <laughs> so you've got five. I, I can't remember now. I'm trying to count the kids in my head. Are we counting the teenager? Yeah, I guess uh, he would uh, count. Strong rebel. I think Rudy. there's five. I want to say five. His Maybe name six. was Rudy. And then eventually they pick up. The older sister to the, the yeah one of the younger kids they pick up his older sister to read a spell because they need a virgin right also the little sister Phoebe so you have you have a handful of kids and the plot the plot goes that they are trying to take on basically the monsters from old the Wolfman basically yeah basically someone played too much damn Castlevania and in their spare time decided to write a movie about it right. But you've got the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, he's the head honcho, uh, the mummy, and what was the other one? Or was Gilman. Gilman, Gil yeah. And the plot is very cheesy and it's, it's, it. I mean, it's basic. Yeah, it's, it is. But, um, I'll break it down. There is an amulet in every hundred years or so. The... <laughs> I, I sound. I feel silly saying it, but every hundred years, uh, good and evil are in balance. And if you have a young virgin girl read a certain spell, it opens up a gate to limbo. I'm going to simplify it even more. Back in the 1800s, Van Helsing and his team tried to go take on Dracula, and they blew it. Yeah, that's exactly what it says in the, of the movie. <laughs> they blew it. First time I saw that, I could not stop laughing. They they run. All right, I told you guys earlier. So. The movie has a, a rolling screen that gives you the history, mm-hmm. and it says an amulet, blah, 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 and Van Helsing's going to destroy him, and he says they screwed it up. So one of the brides of <laughs> Dracula is sitting there just eating a possum in the, pri- <laughs> in the privacy of her own castle, and here come these dudes with pitchforks and crossbows and kill her. She's done nothing, and there's a another question I have is, why does Dracula keep the amulet that could be used to send him to purgatory? Why does he keep it right in the front room 
without any guard or booby traps. Because he's motherfucking Dracula. <laughs> Just, anyway. <laughs> they screw it up. Somehow, like, yeah, it's all laid out in front of them. Just do the thing, get it over with, and they still mess up. And so Dracula doesn't get sucked in. And Van Helsing does. So the guy that was trying to destroy evil is now <laughs> gone. He deserves it. The little girl who read the read the spell to open up the portal to purgatory <laughs> gets sucked in. She's the first one to go. Poor little girl. She did you nothing wrong. You know, the big tragedy of that is that that was, in fact, the dead zone, and they're going to have to deal with Garlic Jr.'s bullshit for the oh, rest of their man. life. Oh, man, I could just hear him going, I'm Garlic Jr. <laughs> Isn't his dad in there, though? Because his dad got sent to the... God, that'd be even worse. I can't imagine what he'd sound like. The dead zone, too. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, basically, we have the universal monsters. It's... It's only fitting that they had to take the exact number of universal monsters and put these kids against those monsters. Right. Yep. They didn't make up any of their own. They used the exact cookie cutter mold that that Universal created. Real basic bitch monsters. I, I yeah. do think that the eighties needed a movie like this though, even if, you know, people didn't like it at the time. Well that's kind of well, that's kinda of what the eighties did. They just mm -hmm. made movies that were fun. Uh, yeah. You know, we even discussing Goonies. Goonies isn't you don't sit down and talk about, you know, the equation of Goonies. Right, you don't worry about the plot. You're just right. like, remember the part when they're playing the organ and the things are falling? Remember that part? You know, yeah. that's, that's what you're excited about. I right. do not remember that like, part. They had a contraption that they made. That you're just like, no, it's it's silly and it's fun. They're just those good. That's mm -hmm. the good thing about a movie like this. It is just good popcorn fun. Right. You go, you sit your ass in the seat. Eat the popcorn, drink the soda, and you leave with a smile on your face. And you don't mm -hmm. think about why Dracula didn't get run over. Right. That's that's how I do things in my age. People ask me, is that a good movie? And I'm like, I was entertained. <laughs> and then if they ask anymore, I'm like, don't question it. Just sit down, watch the movie, and be like, that was fun. Mm -hmm. Don't even worry about the glaring plot holes and missed opportunities. Right. Well, oh. that's, that's kind of... Those are the kind of movies that you want to go see sometimes. It's because, you know, for every Star Wars or, you know, Alien or any of those movies that, you mm -hmm. know, either put you on the edge of your seat or, you know, make you think for a little bit or even, you know, make you see anticipation, It you need a movie like this. You need that movie that breaks all that. I, I'm glad that we I see agree. a lot of this. I, that's what my problem nowadays is that there's a little less of this. And when it's there, it's always criticized you know oh it's got terrible cgi and everything looks fake and it's bad writing i don't know well like, like that but I, I i this movie i have no complaints about i can bitch about like pacific rim uprising or the new power rangers for hours <laughs> but i cannot say a bad word about this movie because it knows what it is and it's doing what right it's it will and it's very self-aware in that it it knows just like mark said it's a goofy silly movie mm -hmm. meant to be fun and entertaining it's meant that when it's over, that you're like, oh, man, that was great. So when you go and you do your dishes and do your laundry, mm -hmm. you don't feel like you are just down in the dumps. Yeah, it's not trying to win an Oscar for special effects or best <laughs> writing. It's just being a fucking movie. I I kind of, uh, I look at the cast of this and most of them are, are you know, well, you have you most of the cast that nobody really went on to do much beyond, you know, smaller bit parts or... The mom from Goonies, but, <laughs> you know, gotcha. she'd done that before this. But sometimes I I kind of look at those movies and think a little bit more fondly on a movie like that than this. Well, look at E.T. 
E.T. is still one of those movies that everyone will always clamor about, and it's always going to be a classic and will be remembered as time goes on. How many of those actors do you see today? Drew Barrymore, that's it. And that's it. One. <laughs> and and even now, she's kind of died down again. Right. I mean... She had that resurgence in like the late 90s, early aughts. Yeah, she was in Charlie's Angels, and that's the last I cared to see of her. Well, she did really good in 50 First Dates. That was a pretty good movie. Yeah. Well, and I, she had a Netflix, uh, The Santa Clarita Diet. Yeah. It was okay. <clears throat> she did decent in it. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. But, I mean, for the most part, like, I I don't think anybody's going to remember most of these actors. Andre Gower, uh, Robbie Kiger, Fred Stephen Savage. Mac- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan uh, is a... He definitely went on. He did a few things. He played Kane in RoboCop 2. Yeah, and then the director goes to do RoboCop 3. I'm sensing a pattern here, and I don't like it. Hmm. I'm also not smart enough to figure out the pattern. <laughs> these, uh, these actors, they had no idea that their movie was a cult hit. Really? They had no clue. Tom Noonan didn't know until they were at a, like a... Film festival or something? Something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's all these people clamoring. They're at this little table, and they're answering questions, and this room is packed. There's people standing in the back. In the back. And people are going, hey, Tom, when did you know this was a, (laughs) a cult hit? And he was like, right now. He had no idea. He had no idea that many people loved his movie. Um, back during those days when his kids were young, he said he couldn't even find a copy on VHS oh, wow. to show his kids. But yet here was the, there's thousands of people across America that are just like watching this movie nightly or weekly or showing their kids and talking about it. Nice. Well, yeah, you can't pass Walmart without seeing a copy of it and the cheap bin and the expensive aisles. <laughs> now. Yeah, nowadays. It's mm. kind of worth noting, too, you know, the one actress that, you know, you do see in other stuff, Mary Ellen Trainer. you know, she was kind of a good mold back then. She was a, that mom that she could be a little on the frantic, crazy side if you needed her to be. Um, and I didn't, I guess I'd forgot she was in Die Hard and Forrest Gump. Yep. So, I mean, she had a heck of a list. Wow. Rest her soul. She's She passed in 2015. So, wow. but yeah, she was, and I didn't know she was married to Robert Zemeckis for 20 years. I had no idea either. Yeah. That explains why she got all those parts. I don't know. She, she had that clout. She was banging the director. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> she definitely, uh, she was definitely a good actress. She was, if, if. It's kind of like when she was in Lethal Weapon, and you knew that Riggs was fucking with her the whole time, <laughs> and uh, you would get like annoyed with her just watching her on screen. Right. You knew she was a good actress. Uh-huh. So I mean, because the character she was playing, you were like, "Listen here, woman, just <laughs> step off, please leave me alone." But yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's just one of those how I always know that it's a uh, definitely a good. A good actress or a good actor is if they make you feel an emotion, happiness or anger or anything like that. I mean, even the even if you just don't like their performance, but you feel the emotion of hatred towards them. Well, like Fred Savage. <laughs> okay, that's the last of them for now. <laughs> well, Fred Savage was a big name in the eighties. I mean, he was definitely a. Uh, I mean, he still is. One of those names that you think of whenever you think of 80s movies. So. He has a TV show right now, or 
does he play a lawyer or something? He did. I think I believe it's done with an ever two. So um, now that you got me down in the dumps for a minute, the kid that played Horace, I forgot to write his name down. He died in 1997. He was he had pneumonia uh, and he died in Las Vegas. Damn. Yeah, sucks. That does that suck. Does suck. But do you would you have watched a sequel to this? Maybe if it came out in like ninety or ninety one. I'll be honest. If they dropped a sequel, I'm pretty <sighs> stubborn when it comes to these things. So, okay, right now on the internet, there's a big thing where everyone is talking about a Princess Bride remake. No, and that's what I'm saying. Everyone on the planet is like, no. And these producers, the people that want to make money, they're like, well, I don't know. No one wants it. We should probably do it. And everyone is going, no, don't do it. If they dropped it tomorrow in theaters, my dumbass would probably go watch it. Because I'm the kind of person, when I see a movie's coming out, even if it taps into nostalgia a little bit, or even if I know it's going to suck, I'm like, well, I should at least give it the benefit of the doubt. That's what uh, me and my girlfriend did with Power Rangers when it dropped. And, you know, the first half's all right, and then... They make the Megazord dance. I had no problem with that. I know that that gets right up in your craw and just drives you up the wall. Okay, I'll put it to you this way. To me, the Megazord is as badass as Optimus Prime. What if they okay. had made Optimus Prime dance? I'd been fine with it. Yeah, well, you would have too. <laughs> you only, son only of if he, a beach. Only if he does the robot. No! <laughs> <laughs> They're breakdance fighting. <laughs> I, I, I see movies like... Monster Squad, and I never, I I was five when it came out, so it missed me just by a little bit. But going back and watching it, it's it's tougher for me to watch now, of course, because you know you you got your old crusty eyes. You're watching something, you're looking at it through. Well, that's stupid. Why do you do that? Right. No, and not even that vain. It's it's more of you know I've had Goonies on my radar. I've had you know all those other 80s adventure movies on my mm-hmm. radar. So it gets lost in the herd a bit. Uh, but I think if they would, I don't know, I would like to see stuff like this get pushed up a little bit, get, you know, promoted, put a damn commercial out. But, you know, hey, Monster Squad, it still exists, you know? <laughs> Check hey, us out. Yeah. This is the 33rd anniversary of it. You should go see it. I get sad about movies like this because... Uh, I love movies in general. I mean, I've always loved cinema and film and everything like Mm -hmm. that. It's always been my love. And I, even a movie like this that, you know, somebody would dump and squash on, it still holds an important key to cinema in general. It is a bit of a time capsule. Yeah. Uh, It's not great. I will be the first to admit that on a a very epic scale. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. It's, I might actually argue that. I would say that it is great. Well, I mean, it's not great in the fact of when you compare it to I mean, modern it's not the cinema. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It, when you compare it to modern cinema, it's 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 insig- insignificant in a way. Mm-hmm. But there's practical effects in it. There is good acting in it. The kids are relatable, you know, in mm-hmm. in some aspect. There are charming personality in it and you know it's got a fat kid in it <laughs> it does have a fat kid and as three fat kids doing a podcast can tell you i i, I don't know i, I can't and they call that. him fat kid even his friends call him fat kid <laughs> it's oh, not yeah. till he gets his pump action shotgun that he finally is like <laughs> i'm horace <laughs> the name is horace blows a fucking hole through a universal movie monster <laughs> yeah 
to to and he saves the life of two bullies that were picking on him earlier. Right. So not only does he get redemption, but he proves that he gets that respect. Which yeah. that street cred. Yeah. Which, if you didn't realize, but one of those guys that he saves is Fred Savage's brother from the Wonder Years. Yeah, Fred Savage. <laughs> <laughs> so in, instead of instead of the uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, we're playing the six degrees of Fred Savage. <laughs> uh, probably a few more degrees in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But I. I, I like this movie in in its own tone. It it definitely has some charm to it. And well, it's, to what you were saying, the movie is borderline spoof. Right. It's yeah. just self-aware enough that they don't go for the low-hanging fruit. And they're like, well, let's clean that joke up just a bit. <laughs> I mean, there's a fucking montage where the Rudy, the cool kid, is making silver bullets in shop class yep. at high school. So, uh... I have many questions, you know. No, they show where they got the silver because they got it from a uh, mom's silverware collection. Nice. But where did he get the bullet mold? Did people just have a mold for bullets it's back lying around? Yeah, back then you probably could have went up to any old timer and said, <laughs> "Hey man, I need to make some uh, silver bullets to kill a werewolf." He's like, "I got what you need." Mm-hmm. They got it from that old scary German guy. Yeah. I love his character. I do too. I love his character. I like how they did not need to add in a bit of Nazi, you know, war stuff in there, but I like that it's in there for some reason. Yeah. It, it doesn't make sense for it to be there, but it also doesn't distract too much. Well, you are correct in that because you have this old time. Honestly, he's only there because the journal that has the spell in it is it written is in, in German. German. Right. So they had to have someone translate. So, I see your point. I feel like there's a metaphor in there somewhere, because he mentions something about, oh, I know what real monsters are. Yeah, the kids go, mm-hmm. man, you know a lot about monsters, because he's like, mm-hmm. you, maybe you thought I was a vampire, but if I was, <laughs> I wouldn't have a reflection, you know? And the kids are like, man, you know a lot about monsters. He's like, I guess I do. And as he closes the door, you can see his number from mm-hmm. a, from from a, the a, camp, from yeah. a camp, concentration camp. So, that's a cool part. Most of those people, I haven't fact-checked it, but a lot of them are dead. People that had survived through that hell. Mm-hmm. So you think about it, in 100 years, in 30 years, none of those people will be alive. The people that lived through that and barely survived it are going to be gone. Yep. And we won't have them to be like, hey, man, what was it like? You know, and they can look you give you that thousand-yard stare like a veteran does. And then be like, why the hell are you asking me such a stupid question? Get out of my office. <laughs> I don't have a reflection. I'm not a vampire. Who said I was? <laughs> But you also have to think too. If you you were asking them this question, that is probably the one thousandth time they've answered it, and by right. then it's lost its tone. Mm-hmm. And you know they're just probably like, <sighs> just read the diary of Anne Frank. Okay. It'll tell you. You're right. I uh, I can't argue that. <laughs> so Monster Squad, it's it's still relevant. It's still fun. Uh, I would say that enjoyable. it's more relevant now than it kind of ever has been. Especially with his cult status, I don't think it needs a remake or a sequel, but I do feel like it's it is a time capsule of the '80s. It's one of those things that you it's almost timeless in its time capsuliness. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, okay. Here's another way I would put it: when I talk about if I was to ask you about Monty Python movie, <laughs> uh, yeah. what's the first one that comes to mind? Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Yeah. My, you know, we all know them all. Mm-hmm. We've all seen them all. You know, Mark owns them all. I own a handful of them mm-hmm. on DVD, not I've on Blu-ray. Life of Brian. I feel bad about that. Oh, <laughs> you're missing the best one. I know. Son of a bitch, that's a great movie. But see, the scene with death that, in it. That's, that's <laughs> the argument, because 
someone else could say, oh, no, it's uh, the meaning of life. Or mm-hmm. The meaning of life is good. If you are going to watch one, Life of Brian is probably <laughs> it. If you have an open mind. I'm not suggesting if you are very religious and, you know, you, uh, you yeah. stick firm to your... To your decree, I, I completely understand that. Do not watch Life of Brian, though. It is a movie that follows the brother of Jesus Christ. So. No, he's no, no. born in the he's born next. He's born oh. in the same uh, manger that Jesus is. So he's Broly. What? Oh my God! <laughs> so, so he, it's but he gets Brian, confused. The Super Saiyan. He gets the, confused with him. The though. legendary Messiah. So. Every, everyone thinks he's the Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> Roman soldiers even come to a lady's house. Are like. We're looking for the Messiah. She's like, there's no Messiah in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll God, do I a, love Monty Python. We'll do our Monty Python cast oh, for yes. sure. But, catch up. you know. I mean, you see my argument. Right. For for the average, for, for most people, it's going to be Holy Grail. Right. So you have an iconic thing. Mm-hmm. So when you think of goofy, silly movie from the 80s, most people that deals with kids, most people are probably going to think the Goonies. But... <laughs> But Monster Squad has a place, you know, in my heart. I've seen it so many times as a kid. Uh-huh. And it disappeared from my radar for 20 years. And then when it had its 20-year anniversary, they released the two-disc DVD of it, mm-hmm. which is the one I have. And, you know, 1987, so in 2017 was its 30th anniversary. So that movie's 30 years old. Damn, I was joking when I said it was its 33rd yep. anniversary. Yep. It you're, just about is. Yep, you're about right on Getting the money. Close. Just, Just... Goofing off, you're about right there. I'm good at math. Can we be the math squad now? Yes. <laughs> we can stay at home, do math problems. <laughs> there's As you watch the movie, there's lots... I don't necessarily want to say plot holes, but just things kind of... They flow fine. Okay, the main character, his mom finds the diary, and she bought it from... Yeah, I like a yard sale or something. A yard sale. The the, uh, the randomness of your mother finding the diary of of Van Helsing. Van Helsing, right? And the kid's so excited. He's like, "What? This is the diary of Van Helsing?" And he's reading through it. And he's like, "It's in German." <laughs> you know, he's all upset, and you know, no one has any idea. And the, so there's a scene in the movie where it's showing somebody. I can't remember exactly what's happening before, but something happens, and then it cuts to the kid. And he's at home, mm-hmm. and the mom says, "Hey, someone called asking about that diary. I think they want to buy it." And the <laughs> yeah. the, the name that they used was Alucard. And the kid figures it out. That's the whole scene yep. is him figuring it out. So it was like the kid just got done taking a crap, and he come out of the bathroom, and he's like, oh, "Dracula's real," <laughs> you know. I mean, it could have been a prank call for all you know. But in the in the mind of this kid. Oh my God! Dracula called. He's looking for this Van Helsing diary. There so, is a bit of suspension of disbelief going on there with the plot itself. Okay, very. I love the phrasing on that because then later on, Dracula says to Frankenstein, "Kids have the diary. Go get it." Mm-hmm. So number one, if the diary is so fucking important, why was it just lying around nilly willy? <laughs> and someone was like, "Oh, look, a, a book. I better sell this." I mean, come on. So Dracula keeps the pendant. That can destroy him for eternity. He just... <laughs> just laying uh, in his front room. Apparently, he has a history of this. <laughs> Important things that don't... That are just... They matter everything to him. He's like, I just stole it in a drawer. You know, whatever. Stuck in between the pillow cushions of his couch. <laughs> yeah, or in the mattress. <laughs> hey, I tell you what. Money. Hanging out in Transylvania, 
not a lot of fun. He gets to see the world this way. He gets out in adventures. Finds out that he needs to eat children. It's okay. And then near the end, he drives up to the house, and the kids have a clubhouse in the swamp. Yeah. That always bothered me, too. Number one, do these kids live in, like, Louisiana, Los Angeles? Because right in their backyard's a fucking swamp. <laughs> so, so did you know this is an R.L. Stein book? <laughs> I guess I guess I didn't. My mistake. It's a feature length episode and of Goosebumps. That's what I'm saying. If you're if you're gonna pick this apart, you have to ask the question: Where Dracula learned to drive? And you also <laughs> have to ask the question: If he's learned how to drive, and he's a bat, why is he driving? That was another thing too. They're in an airplane. They're coming from Transylvania. Mm-hmm. And there's two pilots making jokes because they got <laughs> Frankenstein in the back of the cargo plane. And one guy's complaining, and the other guy goes, hey, dude, it they're dead people. They don't complain. <laughs> they don't ask for peanuts. And then that same pilot is like, you're right. I love my job. <laughs> and then they hear a noise, and he goes back, and there's Dracula. So he pulls the lever, and it drops Frankenstein from the plane. Uh-huh. But Dracula hovers there. Just floating, yeah. Floating. So it, it's a cool, scary moment. I mm-hmm. can see where it's enjoyable. Then he turns into a bat and flies out of the plane. It's broad fucking daylight. So, does he survive in bat form? Is that how he survives in the daylight? By being in bat form? Not according to Leslie Nielsen. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the kind of things I ask. Wasn't it you who... Rewind this 15 minutes and, and where Josh is saying, just enjoy a movie. Don't ask questions. Just... I get you. I get you. But we're we're discussing it now. No, no. Now that we're turning it into right, pieces. Right. We, we open this. this uh, the mummy. The mummy's in the kid's closet. Why? Did the mummy literally sneak into this kid's house and get in the closet? And he was like, <laughs> Well, if you'd actually watch the Universal movies, all 58 of them, Josh, you would know that the mummy has a fetish for closets. I guess so. Especially those belonging to kids. And not only does he hide in a kid's closet, he's hiding in the closet... Of one of the kids of the Monster Squad, the youngest one. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, what's the relevance? Reasons? There is no relevance. <laughs> the whole scene is so the kid can go and wake his parents up and go, there's mm-hmm. a monster in my room. And the dad's like, oh, look at all these monsters. Get out of here. You two on the bed. Get out of here. You know, and he's like, are there still any in here? And he's like, the closet. <laughs> so the dad opens the closet. And he doesn't even look in. And... Keep in mind, the mummy is really in the fucking closet. Yeah, I love it. And he's like, oh, look at that scary monster. <laughs> so he slams the door, and he's like, you're not getting in the bed with me and your mom tonight, so just stop. <laughs> so then the kid covers his eyes, and then the mummy climbs out of the closet and goes out the window. So the mummy went into his closet to hang out and then leave. I don't get it, but... That's what I'm saying. It's a scene strictly for the one joke. Right. That's the mm-hmm. only reason. You could, if you wanted to, in hindsight, say, oh, well, the mummy is out looking for the book, and since that kid is one of the That's what, monster That was squad, my excuse, but then why the hell would he just jump out the window afterwards? Did he even look? Did he just check the closet? Uh, he's blind, Josh. He doesn't <laughs> have eyes. I don't... He seems to have eyes in this one. No, he doesn't. He, he caught doesn't. a ride, though. He was able to catch a ride. He with did him. catch a ride. <laughs> yes, he, did. he did catch a ride. I just want to know how the fuck Dracula learned how to use a telephone. Like, a car, you could probably figure out, you know, give an hour or two. A telephone, you don't know what it does, how it works, why are there numbers on it, why does it have a wire attached to it? Because they have phones in Transylvania, too. Did, did you see a phone in his fucking castle? <laughs> well, his castle was destroyed. 
So I don't know where he's been living. So we need a prequel to the Monster Squad. We where do. We learn about. <laughs> we need to find out how he got all the oh, monsters. We need was, to do an Avengers type thing. I've got it. Vagabond Dracula. Was he <laughs> living <laughs> with three with two other vampires? Are, are we talking in Monster Squad? Uh, another movie. I'm gonna Taika Waititi's What We Do in the Shadows. Never heard of it. Three vampires. Shut up. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I don't know who Tycho Watiti is, but anyway, uh, I like his name and I hate it. And there's time. little things too. Uh, near the end, they're having a final battle, and Dracula has three brides. Mm-hmm. Rudy kills two of them. It's a pretty badass scene too, I think. And then the third one just, huh? It's just gone. She's not addressed. You don't see her killed. You don't see her leave. <laughs> it just editing. No, that is a cool part. Cause that was something that got me too, because Rudy is the cool kid character. Yeah. And when he he's there in the final battle, and then he walks off through everybody lighting a cigarette, and like Rudy, where are you going? And he's like, I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? Yeah. It's badass. That is so. So he, he kills he kills uh, two of Dracula's brides with stakes. Mm-hmm. The first one he he shoots her with like an arrow, bow and arrow, with a giant stake. And the second one she he's freaking out because mm-hmm. he killed her. And then the second one grabs him, and then he stabs her in the heart with a stake, and she falls over. And then the scene turns to him turning away to look at something else happening, and that's it. The third bride is never addressed. No one's like, oh my god, did you see her disappear or run uh-huh. away? Nothing happens. I mean, it's just editing. But it's just one of those things where me and my older age, now watching the movie, taking notes while watching it, I'm looking for holes uh-huh. just to entertain myself. And I'm like, where's the third bride? Where'd she go? Rudy's well, also. You never watched that, any of the other fifty-eight, <laughs> right? Rudy's also the one that kills the werewolf. He shoots him with the silver, oh, the silver bullet. bullet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why can't we have a movie with just this kid? I would love a movie with just this kid. He's he's still a pretty cool fucking dude. The guy yes. that plays Rudy. That's cool. Uh, I I don't know if it's just me, but he shows up in this movie, and he's riding a big old ass Schwinn, <laughs> and he's he's basically got a greaser look. His hair's mm-hmm. all done up, and he's got a leather he's jacket. Very greaser. Right. Fingerless clothes. And I'm thinking, it's shit. 1987. <laughs> Why is he dressed like he's from the 50s? Because the 50s was still cool. And he's smoking. I think he's only in junior high. He's like in the sixth grade. <laughs> no, I think he was high school. No, because even one of the kids, Horace, is talking to him, and he goes, I hear he's in, in junior high. So he's not even, he's... He must have been held back a couple times because he's like 15. I'm, well, that's what I'm saying. He, he's the bad boy. He is the bad boy. He's cool. He's a cool cat. And he gets to kill three cool. monsters. Cooler than that asshole from uh, Lost Boys. Take that. Death by stereo. That's my favorite scene in, in all of fucking <laughs> Lost Boys. But anyway, the, the movie's full of holes. But if you just sit down and fucking enjoy it, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It was 87. It ran two weeks. It didn't make its money back. The director's career was ruined. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Just sit down and enjoy the fucking movie. <laughs> well, I would say that probably a lot of this movie ended up on the cutting room floor. That's what it sounds like. I wouldn't like. be surprised. It sounds like the studio stepped in and was like, mm, it's a little long. We need to take out that last vampire death. And uh... Having my experience in editing just through what little editing I've done for the podcast, <laughs> my heart goes out to editors and directors because these movies can be made or that you know they can be made or broken mm-hmm. on the cutting room floor all because they cut out certain scenes they make it running for time you know make it run for time yep. uh, a good example 
would be Batman versus Superman. The movie that he made was like two hours and 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. They had a private showing for all the executives at Warner Brothers. And when it was done, he got a standing ovation. And they're like, woo, yeah, that was great. That was amazing. Cut 40 minutes. Yeah, no shit. You know, that's what... And the only reason is so they could squeeze in one more play at movie theaters per day. Yep. So in the end, it was still for them only about money. Well... I get it. I get it. You put your own money on the line. Right. It is an investment, so you get kind of a say to it. But at the same time, they always just want to think... Certain certain players in Hollywood always think about the bottom dollar, and they never consider, maybe if I just put out a really good quality fucking uh-huh. movie, people will come see it. That's why I'm always going to give George Lucas all the credit, even though he made a couple missteps with like Phantom Menace and uh, I Don't Like Sand. So... When making the first Star Wars, I actually had to help my girlfriend write a college essay on it. But when making the first Star Wars, he basically said, to hell with all the studios, Fox can publish it, but I'm making it. I'm putting my money on the line. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to make this my vision. Right. Well, he left the Writers Guild, didn't he? Yeah. So that he could do that. See, the right because the writers guild say that you have to run the credits at the intro of the movie. And he says that doesn't work. That was for Empire. The first movie he still had the the writers guild. The second movie, okay. they wouldn't let him do it twice. Okay. And he so he was like piss off then. I'll mm-hmm. do it without you. And it became the most successful movie of all time at the point with like 173 million dollars, which is still pretty good today, but Independence Day made 800 million dollars. So, well, don't forget the value of the dollar. Yeah. Well, it's changed. You also have to think too. When when a movie like Monster Squad's made, you have executives making executive decisions, Mm -hmm. and you have guys in suits and ties trying to determine, you know, what guys in sneakers and t-shirts wrote. Yep. And that's ultimately where the two will always clash. Right. Where one sees a vision and the other one sees a dollar sign. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, some of the best movies. Well, let me roll that back. Some of the best potentials for movies were made or broke on a cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about some of the greatest movies and some movies that aren't that great, if they would have been cut better or put together or choreographed better, you know, on certain segments, it could have it could made or break that thing. Look at the movie Blade Runner. Blade Runner that poor and poor movie. The original Blade Runner was not well received. Mm-hmm. It was people thought it was just weird and awkward and but I remember my dad letting me watch that movie as a kid and I thought this is just a weird robot movie. Like right. as a young child, 7 8 years old, I thought it's just awkward. Mm-hmm. And I got to be like 14, 15 and watched it again and I was like okay, like I kind of understood it. And then when I hit 16, 17, I had watched it again with a friend, and like it was like a, a light hit. It clicked. Uh huh. And it took me that long for that movie to reach from, you know, oh, it's just another sci fi movie to, holy shit, this is like in my top definitive three movies yeah. of all time. Well, you know why it's called Blade Runners? Because there was a kid running with scissors in the fucking editing room. <laughs> Jesus Christ, there are like 15 <laughs> cuts of that movie. Well, 
That happens. That That's a bit excessive, but I know what you're saying. Well, okay, they had the first cut, which everybody hated. So they're like, we're going to re-release it, but this time we're going to have Harrison Ford narrate through the quiet parts. Because it's a very quiet movie otherwise. So he's narrating, but it's Harrison Ford, and he's like... That's the U.S. That was the U.S. version. Yeah. This isn't Ridley Scott's vision, so I don't give a shit, so I'm going to half-ass it. So he does. So then they take out the narration. narration, and then they put in more scenes, but they don't have context, so they make no sense. So they just keep tearing this movie apart and trying to Frankenstein it back together, but it, it just, didn't. It didn't really need it. It didn't. No. The original version of it was really good. The original international release, the theatrical release for Blade Runner, is actually quite exquisite. Mm-hmm. Every version after uh, director's cut is really cut cut good, and then uh, there's also a definitive edition that Ridley Scott did. Uh, Back when he could actually do movies. And it's actually really good, too, because when they released the five-disc blu- five Blu-ray and HD DVD box set, they put all the versions in that. Five discs? The final Damn, cut. that's a long-ass movie. Well, it's different versions of the movie. Yeah. It was called The Final Cut. They did that with Legend, too, yeah. which I appreciated the hell out of. The theatrical and yes. the international version. Yeah, yeah I've got I, both of I those. I remember growing up have listening. <sighs> which one had Tangerine Dream? The United American, States yeah. version had it. Right. Yeah. And I had seen both. The, all right, so the one with Tangerine Dream doing the song or the mm-hmm. soundtrack, uh, that was the one I grew up with. And then when I bought that two-disc special edition years yes. and years ago. Which I use as a coaster now. Yeah, Yes, like you do all <laughs> the things that I ever let you borrow. Where's my cat? <laughs> oh, he's a rug. The Tangerine Dream version... Uh, the U.S. version ends differently than the international version. Yeah, doesn't it have darkness laughing at the end? Well, the Tangerine Dream version does. Yeah. Though they're also different because in the United States one, you think that they're going to fall in love and go get married and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, and the, believe in the international version at the end of it, they're just... They're just they're we'll, we'll have another adventure tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, they're they're lo- they're in love, but. They they know their roles. Right. right. He's still the forest boy, and yep. she's a princess. Right. I actually really enjoy that ending quite right. a bit. And I will. I love Jerry Goldsmith to death, and I do think his score is better. But there are parts where Tangerine Dream nails it in a way that no classical right. composer could. Right. When darkness comes through the mirror, to for the first time, mm-hmm. there's like this weird Indian, really dark. Yeah. There's some synth really hill going on. Yeah. And it is terrifying. And that introduces whenever they're in the, uh, oh, the Hell's Kitchen, the kitchen yeah, area. Right. There's some of that in there, too. Mm-hmm. Right before mm-hmm. Jack fights the, the demons in the kitchen. Yeah, the butcher dude. Yeah. Ogres or whatever they are. Yeah. Uh, and here we are turning this into a Ridley Scott cast. Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite so. part of Alien. <laughs> <laughs> Which, that's coming back to theaters. I yeah, have heard I've that. seen that. They're going to do a, a limited run for it. I don't know. Last time I saw it in theaters, uh, me and my buddy in the army, we were the only people in the theater, and we fell asleep because it was like at midnight. Yeah, you were telling me that. Yeah. It only had it only had two additional scenes added to it. <laughs> the the one where uh, Ripley finds Dallas in the vents and he's okay. all he's all cocooned up and she kills him with the flamethrower. Other than that, I mean, it was the same alien movie, which um, at the time. You know, that movie was like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. To this day, it's still holy shit. There's two scenes yeah. that really get me. But aside from those two, it, it's a little dull in comparison. Because it is such a quiet movie, 
the quiet drags on a bit so that when the jump scare does happen, it's not always effective. My my only problem is just I've seen it so many times. I'm desensitized mm-hmm. to the movie. And it, if I had only watched it like once every couple years, mm-hmm. I might still have a higher opinion of it. It's just by that point, I had fucking seen it so many times, I could damn near quote it. Well, the, the, uh, any scary movie that you've watched 101 times, there is no jump scare factor for you. Yeah. It's just you watch it, you see it, and that's the end of it. Same thing with most, you know, horror flicks and all that stuff. You lose you lose the magic that it gives you. Even if you watch it 10 years later, you're still like, oh, I remember this. He's going to come through the wall or he's going to bomb, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you you know all the tricks. Right. And that's the worst part about it is you can't go back through and enjoy it to the extent that you did the first once, twice, even the third time maybe you've seen it. Yep. But you can still appreciate it. I mean, it's still a movie you could appreciate. That's, you know, even Monster Squad. You can still appreciate that movie. You know, you can take that movie and and watch and see. You could see what they were trying to get with it. I mean, it was it was a good idea. It was a good premise. Was it the best executed? Eh, for its time, probably. Yeah, I don't think for, you could have done much better in 1987. Visually, you know, it does look good. And the effects do. The costumes aren't, you know, aren't, you know... Well, the co- the costumes are are pretty. I don't want to say basic, but they're simple. Dracula's is simple because he's got the the count look, the, right? The clothes, uh, the cape, all that stuff. Uh, even Frankenstein's is still pretty simple. Yeah, he's still got his long jacket. Well, and long... he's got a lot less scars, so he doesn't have to be, uh-huh. you know, so tattooed up. Well, you you wouldn't really notice, but Frankenstein only has. Uh one scar in the original movie, and that's on his forehead. Right. Well, this it's one just, has it too, right? But I know, but I'm just saying, okay. you can assume that Frankenstein is cut up head to toe, but you right. don't really... Right. That's visual <laughs> trickery going on. Uh, the Wolfman um, is... In this one, the Wolfman is classic Wolfman. I love this Wolfman. He is a yeah, gnarly looking cool. motherfucker. He's pretty cool. And now, uh, one little tidbit, the Gill Man, the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm-hmm. His helmet, the headpiece, was glued on to him during filming mm-hmm. so that there would be no seam in the costume. And a shoot day normally is about 12 hours. Yeah. So for about 12 hours a day during his scenes, he was glued in a costume with eye holes the size of like uh, an ink pen's tip. Mm-hmm. And that was all he had to see with. That's why in a lot of his scenes, he's either not moving or he's in place or he's moving very slowly because he doesn't want to trip over anything. Because he couldn't see. He was practically oh, he blind. he wasn't claustrophobic. But, but go do ahead. You remember, do you remember what I was telling you about uh, the guy who played him? No, ref- refresh me. Oh, he was Goro. Yeah, he played Goro. So that's not the only time he's had to suffocate under hot <laughs> prosthetics before. So so he's a pro, basically. Uh, he is a pro. Well, yeah, he can do so, a fight scene. <laughs> um, supplemental to what you were just saying, Mark... Because what the, the horror movies and the scary parts and the scenes, it, you know, you know what's coming. It's a little desensitizing, whatever. For me, the thing that gets me about humor and comedy is a lot of it doesn't get old for me. We've talked about this before. Futurama. Right. I've seen every season of Futurama so many times. I can't tell you. And I laugh at the same jokes yeah. every oh, single yeah. time. So the same thing happens <sighs> with Monster Squad. I watch the movie. I laugh in the same places. Mm-hmm. 
the same scenes, I'm also like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, I just, it's, it's an experience. And since it's, especially for me, it's a nostalgic experience, it puts me in touch with that little bit, that past part of me from back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I could just, I feel good about it. I watched the movie and I, there's times where I've had the DVD case in my hand and I'm like, should I watch this movie? Because I've seen it so many fucking times. And then you put it down and play it on Voodoo because you have it on Voodoo. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watch it until my internet goes out or somebody hits a pole or something. <laughs> and then my, then my internet's gone. We call them land sea lions. Land sea lions. <laughs> I, I tame, tame them. them. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, you always have those... You will always have those touchstone moments in your life that, you know, something rel- is relative to you or it hits on you in a certain a certain way and you will always... Re- I Take a movie like this or Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is super simple. Nothing really... I mean, it's in the same vein as this mm-hmm. to me in a lot right. of ways. Only, you know, it's Salem, Massachusetts, Three Witches, Coming Back, blah, 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 blah. It, it reminds me a lot of Hocus Pocus in that same vein of, you know, these are kids fighting, you know, an ancient evil or an ancient do-bad. Enemy. Yeah. And, you know, they've got to figure out together how to bring it, bring it, bring it to an end. And, you know, the parents at first don't believe anybody and... You know, it takes some convincing, and then finally somebody sees. Actually, in this, in Hocus Pocus, no one really ever sees, except for the kids. But you... Just like it. Right. Just like it. Like, just like it. Yeah. And, you know, but it's just a fun movie that you can go back, you can relate to, because it was that time of your life. You, you've you seen it a dozen times, but it's still one of those, happy Halloween, throw it on. Mm-hmm. It's Halloween. I want to watch Monster Squad. I want to watch Hocus Pocus. Right. It's just a really, really good popcorn movie. Yeah. It's a good time. It yeah. is. Uh, uh, Nostalgia Critic actually put this at his number one spot of top ten, like, best Halloween movies. I see, I've seen his video on YouTube. It's like 32 minutes, and I've been... To prepare for this, I thought about watching it, mm-hmm. but I was like, well, I have the fucking movie. I'll just watch it. And, <laughs> just for my own opinion, it, damn it. The bonus disc with it had over two or three hours worth of bonus features. There's so many shit we haven't talked to about behind-the-scenes stuff. That's pithy in comparison to Peter Jackson's uh, 12 years worth of footage on two discs. Um, the guy that plays Dracula, his name is... Not Liam Neeson. Duncan Regeer, I think. Uh, he, on set, he stayed away from the kids. And he nice. stayed... He didn't necessarily method act, mm-hmm. but when the kids were around, he was in costume and he was in character. So they never saw him without it. Right. They never saw him without the makeup. Um, so the scene you were talking about at the beginning where he picks up the little girl Phoebe mm-hmm. and he says, give me the amulet, you bitch. <laughs> she had not seen him with mm-hmm. fangs. Now, this is... I, I don't see how this wasn't intentional. And the director and the actor and everyone was like, we didn't mean for it to be that scary. Mm-hmm. But they only had to do one take of her scream. That's a scream, because dude. he holds her up by her chin, and she's standing on a box, you know, mm-hmm. for effects or whatever. And he's like, <sighs> like a cat hiss with his teeth, and she shits her fucking pants. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "Cut, we got it." You know, they didn't have to do another take, anything. And of course, the the guy that played Dracula, Duncan, he was like, "I felt so bad afterwards because she was so terrified of me." Yep, she was. And Tom Noonan, when he was on set, he would only show up 
yeah, if the kids could see him, he was he made sure he was in costume, and he kind of did method act. Mm-hmm. The kid that played Rudy was like, "Hey, Tom, I'm Rudy, and I'm trying to, you know, whatever." And he'd be like, "Frank, me, <laughs> Frank." He so even on set, he stayed on character. He stayed in character for the kids. You know what that is? Bogus. <laughs> <laughs> That has to be the cheesiest. <laughs> that's the worst one-liner to beat Dracula with. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. I love it. Pretty silly. <laughs> the movie also has a, uh, in typical '80s fashion, has a hip-hop music ending. Has a hip-hop song describing the it, movie. It's called Turtle Power, and it goes T U R T L E Power. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was. It was almost mandatory to have a hip-hop ending theme song. I have, I don't understand why all these movies had that in common. I mean, every one of them. Just about every single yeah. damn movie. It was the 80s, Especially man. If, all, it was only kids' movies, too. I well, mean, you don't see Goonies, Jason's. Goonie didn't. Goonies had Cindy Lauper rocking right, there. Right, right. Yeah, I count it. Oh. <laughs> That's acceptable. Do you, uh, do you recommend this to kids and adults of all ages or in in today's society my my son's 10 so and him and i over the years have had many talks about you know movies are fantasy it's not real uh i even tell him sometimes even documentaries are kind of doctored a bit Mm -hmm. people are directed to say certain thing oh why don't you try saying it this this way instead Uh because it's more shocking you know and so, for him, of course, I've never really censored him much anyway. I mean, you know, I don't let him look at a lot of things, but... Well, I did the typical uncle thing, and I showed him something he wasn't supposed to see when okay. he was like six. Thanks. I showed him John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh. <laughs> to yeah. Th- to he, this day. He still remembers. To this day, he talks about that movie. Yes. And not in a scare... He does the same thing I did as a kid. Yeah. I was fucking five years old, because mom worked... She didn't get home till two or three in the morning from mm-hmm. working as a waitress, so I'd be on HBO or whatever watching fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Watch a I creep would, show. Creep show. Those movies never scared me. I I never did the cover my eyes thing. It just to me there was I don't know a knowledge that it was I don't know to me most of them were fucking hilarious. Creep show is pretty funny. I mean, just like Freddy Krueger, like how sweet, <laughs> fresh meat. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's part. Four, is that the Dream Warrior? Or is that part five? Dream Warrior. The chick beats up Freddy in the church. Dream, Dream Warrior is part three. Dream Master is part four. So I'm thinking of Dream Master. Because okay. she beats him up with nunchucks in the in the church. Yes. Uh, th- there's a kid that he has a dream and he's in a junkyard fighting Freddy. And he drops a car on him. And the kid's like, fucking A! <laughs> Just as a kid, I fucking love that scene. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the best ever. So those movies never scared me, never terrified me. And he's never really shown a compunction to be scared. They're, okay, I, I will tell you this. He doesn't want to watch Interstellar with me. And just because I told him, you know, I tried to break the synopsis down as easy as I could. I was like, well, the earth is dying and, and these people are setting out mm-hmm. to try to find a new home. And once he heard earth dying, he was like, nope, don't want to deal with it. I don't think the word's existential. Maybe it is, though, but that that's a different kind of horror altogether. That's like... Right. Co- cosmic horror does kind of get to me a bit. 
Mm-hmm. So um, anything like Lovecraftian, if it's hardcore Lovecraftian, and a lot of t- nine times out of ten, it'll get me on first viewing. Give me those kind of like, uh-huh. but once I've acclimated to it, then I'm I'm down with it. Well, that's what scared me about the first Alien because uh, Mom and I were talking and I was eight or something, and she's like, uh, "Yeah, you ever seen this movie Alien?" Like, no. So we go to the video store. I look at it and I see the cover of it. It's just a green glow coming out of an egg. Right. And I'm like, no, I've never seen that. We come home and watch it, and it scared the shit out of me when the alien finally showed up. I was bored before that. But when it finally showed up, I'm like, what is this thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is just indescribable. You and I had a, a one of Trayton's cousins over, Charlie, and we played Alien Isolation because yes. we're, we're terrible hosts. Uh, His sister was over to Aiden. Yeah, that's right. And she's like... What is it? And we're like, we can't really tell we, you. We can't spoil it. You yeah. have you have to see. And she sees it finally, like finally. She's scared. She's like, you know, <laughs> grabbing her clothes, like it's nervously just... nodding things up, and she finally sees it and she's like, Oh, that's all it is. I was expecting some <laughs> big red blob or something. You have to admit though, with Alien, you're talking about the boring, but actually, there's a lot of scenery that you're Alien is definitely a movie that it's not for somebody that that isn't interested in a, di- a deeper dive. Mm-hmm. It actually has a lot to it. There is a lot of depth to Alien, and when you're sitting there watching it, all of that builds, all the tension, all of that builds because you know you've you've got them going onto this this planet or this this derelict pl- spaceship. Yes, and you you watch them come back. You know he's got that thing on his face. Mm-hmm. You have no idea, and you think, "Oh, he's okay," and then he's not, and then <laughs> shit hits the fan after and that. And then he's not. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, never mind. Right. Oh no, wait, I'm John Hurt. I die and everything. Right. When Dan O'Bannon, when Dan O'Bannon wrote that script, uh, I think he co-wrote it with somebody. I can't remember, but their whole premise when writing, because the old alien on a spaceship with humans mm-hmm. was already cliche. By the time Alien came out, was it 78 or 79? 79. 79. 79. By the time it came out, it was already cliche. Oh, humans on a spaceship and an alien's got them. So the whole thing was is we need to come up with a cool way to get the alien on board. Because you got to think about it. You're in a spaceship. You're in deep mm-hmm. space. You're traveling at crazy speeds if you want to get anywhere anytime soon. So these ships are hauling ass. Yep. Even though that part of the lore isn't truly flushed out too well, but that's why they have the cryopods and the cryo sleep and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But you have to imagine that they're out in space for years at a time. Fifty-four to be exact. Well, that was because she floated through the core systems I'm just and whatever. Me. So, <laughs> uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is, or I would, yeah, sorry. Basically, they needed a cool way to get the alien on the mm-hmm. on the ship. And, and they were like, that is what? a fantastic way to do it. Well, it's great. And uh, the other girl on the script, she didn't know that was happening, right? Did they keep uh, that from her? They they knew it was going to happen, but they didn't know just how much blood was going to be right. there. They, so yeah. when it squirts all over her and like yeah. nobody else, she flips shit. Yes, yes. Okay, but that's... that's Yeah. I know that was unintentional. Or was it? I mean, <laughs> It's normally the unintentional stuff that works the best. Well, like when Dracula scares Phoebe. Mm-hmm. It was unintentional, but she was scared to death. No wonder she grew up so messed up in Friends. No, she's cool. She's, uh, in the interviews with her, she's pretty awesome. She was almost, she almost played one of the kids in Fatal Attraction. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that movie. Uh, I didn't look up her filmography, but I'm pretty sure she only did Monster Squad and maybe another movie, and then 
That nice. was it. She was just one of them kid actors, I guess. That I don't know if she didn't want to act anymore, or her parents were like, "This isn't good for you," or mm-hmm. I don't know the whole story. But she seems like a well-adjusted, normal person. Speaking of well-adjusted, normal people, going back to Alien, actually, I think part of my problem with the first Alien is that there are concepts in it that didn't get to be put to screen, like why were there eggs in this ship? Though those are the questions that kind of haunted me. What are the eggs? How do they get there? What put them there? Now we know that it's a queen alien, but the original concepts was way, way scarier. Oh, yeah. The unknown is always going to be mm-hmm. ten times more terrifying than going, oh, that's how that's done. Well, that's the... but, then mean, you're like, do you know, fuck, what else is out there? You know, what what it, was the original idea then? It was, it was skin. The alien, after it kills you, it makes you an egg. Like, it turns you into an egg. It's oh, skin okay. and bones with a parasite inside of it. Right. I think that's fucking terrifying. I don't know. It seems stupid to me. Well, in retrospect, oh, that's just a big ant queen that just happens to have a big well, sack like, on like it. Well, like Mark was just saying, I love the idea. There, There's an alien spaceship. It's a derelict. Mm. It's broadcasting a signal. Of course, humans. <sighs> you got to think about it. This is another species entirely. It's developed differently. And, I mean, I know the lore has been flushed out now mm-hmm. and changed, but just like he was saying back then, 100% unknown. If... Honestly, the first alien is very Lovecraftian because it it's a cosmic horror. There's no explanation to why it's there. Yeah, you don't know why it's there. You don't know what it is, where it came Not from. Not only that, humans have how? been in space for how long collecting resources mm-hmm. and they've never even seen aliens. And yet here comes these people and they stumble across a fucking spaceship. Mm-hmm. And of course, humans are like, oh, a signal. It's got to be a distress. And of course, obviously, no, it was a fucking warning. It was like, stay the fuck away, idiots. But no, what do humans do? We go down there and we poke shit with sticks. And of course, the movie would have been completely pointless if you didn't have H.R. Geiger's designs. The he he's a he's amazing, right? Well, I want to get back done. to the original question. Uh, just the fact of yeah, I would recommend it. Maybe to not too young of a kid, I guess. But uh, I had no problem. Like, okay, when I started watching it, it was more like, hey, you want to come watch this with me? Mm-hmm. There was never any question in my mind, like, is there going to be anything... There is a scene where the kids' clubhouse, they can see the older sister of one of the kids, Mm -hmm. and Rudy, the cool kid, is taking pictures of her. Yeah. So he's a peeping Tom. Yeah, he only goes up to... He only joins the club so he can look out the the window. At first, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I would say that there's got to be at least some kind of parental discretion. You got to be like, listen... You're mm-hmm. not supposed to stare out the window and take pictures of girls changing, you know, in their window. And you're or, not supposed to go up and ask girls if they're virgins. And also, she needs to close the curtains. Yeah, that's why. That was my I mean, I'm not that. saying I'm not saying that she's guilty for being... I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not victim-blaming her. <laughs> Everyone in that situation is wrong. Everyone is wrong. Especially the tree. It, but it's a kid's movie. Yeah. Well, that begs the question. Is it a kid's movie? I say yes. It's... It's a toss-up. I'd give it a, you know, 10 years. 10-year-old kid would be okay watching this. Okay. I, You know, there is a lot of profanity and stuff like that in it. You definitely don't want too young of an audience pillaging through this and, you know, seeing all the stuff. And there's stuff in it that wouldn't fly today in a kid's movie or a younger or adolescent movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talked about Dracula picking up that girl and calling her a bitch to her face. That would not fly today. Right. No. It would be well. It'd be a. It would be harder to anyway. It's there's a lot of there's a, there's always going to be a lot of tropes in movies like this where you have that it wouldn't work today. You wouldn't get it. 
you wouldn't be able to pull this today. No, the audience would be like, "What the?" Mm-hmm. We're boycotting this movie. I mean, I'm I'm just old fashioned, I guess, because I I figure a five year old could watch this and get the suspension of disbelief out of it. Yeah, maybe I'm... with a little explanation beforehand of like what they're getting into, but I see no reason why a kid, especially, th- this is the age of the internet. You can get on to the internet and s- see anything. Right. Why would this cheesy movie from the '80s be that damaging? It's. I don't think it's damaging. It's just. I mean, this isn't the first Halloween. This is. Well, we're just asking a simple question. Mm-hmm. What age of a kid would we suggest not see this? Uh, probably anything younger than like five or six. I'm. I'm. I'm also gonna say it depends on the kid. I mean, there there's kids out there that are way mature for their age, and they understand that it's a joke mm-hmm. or it's a silly. And then you have the kids that repeat every single word they hear. You can't dare cuss near them uh-huh. because they're they're auto-repeat record players. You know, you can't be like, oh, man, that lady worked in the drive <sighs> For those that so don't nasty. know, a record is this big round final <laughs> thing. That, <laughs> which is making a resurgence, actually. So, yeah, if uh, you got a blockbuster nearby... Uh, and Goonies is out. <laughs> Do they have those in the eighties? Goonies is rented out. You grab your Monster Squad if it's still on the shelf. That's a fair assumption. Definitely check it out, man. It's well worth a viewing. If you've never seen it, check it out on a Saturday afternoon when you got nothing going on, or if you do whatever, it doesn't matter. Watch it on Halloween. Fuck it. Amazon Watch it on Halloween. We it's on Amazon Prime. It is on Amazon Prime, correct. Uh, uh, if you're a Prime member, you get to watch it for free, and it's also available on Voodoo, iTunes, and the other places for purchase. So. It's probably also on Laserdisc and VHS, if you're into that. It if probably you know is. me, I'll just loan <laughs> you my disc. Mm-hmm. I'll just let you borrow my copy for a while. If I don't get it first and use it as a coaster. Right, if you don't ruin it. You guys have anything you want to add to this cast? No, I feel like we covered everything pretty well. I know we got off topic a tad. It sounds like we're going to be doing an alien cast at some point. <laughs> <laughs> just just an overall Ridley Scott cast. Look forward to it. Yep. But. Yeah. Uh, you can catch us at our uh, website at GamerDA.com. We are a affiliate of GamerDA. We are GamerDA. <laughs> uh, we know those guys. They're cool. We hang out. Yeah. We watch movies and play games together. Uh, you can also give us an email at podcast at gamerda.com. And our Twitter is gamerda1. Yeah. We're on Facebook at Gamer Discretion Advised. Easy peasy. Yep. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this cast. Thanks, Josh, for putting together Monster Squad for us to talk about. You're very welcome. <laughs> No, no, you got you got to do the other one, the uh, the thriller laugh. <laughs> <laughs>